This is Continuum Drag, a weekly podcast where we revisit sci-fi, fantasy, and just plain weird shows. This week, The Stranger. Same trees, flowers, it's like a dream. Perhaps, but for many years, our scientists have discussed the possibility of a Terra twin, as your scientists must also have done. That is, two planets flung out from the sun at the same time, both of equal size and gravity, and orbiting exactly opposite so that neither ever sees the other. Cooling simultaneously, oceans forming together, and the first germs of life appearing there as here. I'm sure you know nothing exists by chance in life, Neil. Effect and cause, cause and effect. Precisely. And so as life developed here on Terra, its counterpart developed on its twin. For every mountain and valley here, its counterpart developed there, and so on through the many long ages. Welcome to Continuum Drag, the podcast that knows the only way to incapacitate a man is with a karate chop to the throat. I'm Luke, here with my co-host Jordan. What's real, Jordan? Did he hit the guy directly in the throat? Uh, uh, I mean, we'll get into it, but I think he did it several times. I think that if you get hit in the throat, it's game over. But with a karate chop specifically. Nothing else will do. (laughs) Will, you ever karate chopped anyone? I can't say that I have, but I was thinking if karate was like a mandatory thing for space, uh, the space program in this movie. In NASA? It, it, it definitely just, is. <laughs> it was just assumed that this was, uh, there's no backstory or just like he has these skills. And that voice, of course, is our returning guest, Will. Welcome back, Will. Thank you for having me. What were you here watching last time? I was trying to remember the name of it. The Leonard Nimoy uh, masterpiece. I do uh, remember that. The race car. Baffled. Ah, uh, yeah. I couldn't yeah. remember the you title know, of it. You know what's funny? When we were talking about things to watch for this podcast, there was one I was going to put on the list, and I realized it's almost the exact same plot as Baffled. And I thought, <laughs> what a torture to have made you watch two of the exact same. It, was, it, it so wasn't bad. a race car driver, but it was something very, very similar, where I think he also gained psychic powers and then became a detective. Yeah. That, but apparently it was a real theme in the 70s. You may remember that him being a race car driver had absolutely nothing to do with <laughs> <No>. the plots. <laughs> it was just in uh, it was in uh, the rider for Nimoy. He's like, I don't care what you have to be playing, but I'm getting in a race car. <laughs> I mean, when you write your own ticket. Yeah. Well, uh, th- what we're watching this week is a TV movie failed pilot called The Stranger. Uh, originally broadcast on February 26, 1973 on NBC. It's a little TV movie. Here's some. Here's some uh, I was, I've been doing a bunch of trying to dig up on this because there's not... There's not a lot. There's not a lot about it. And here's a couple of little fun fun things about the actors in it, actually. Oh, okay. Uh, one, uh, the, the guy who played the villain, uh, Cameron Mitchell. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, I'm like, what's this guy done? And he has a movie from 2018. I was Is like, he really? I was like, no how is that possible? It's because he was in Orson Welles' Other Side of the Wind that oh. got released last year. That Netflix film. So he's in that movie. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> he... Damn. Talk about going from like an auteur to the lowest point of I'm, TV I'm lo- movie. I'm looking at his uh, actual last credit was in 1995 playing Dr. Cadaver. <laughs> <laughs> also, uh, our, our romantic lead, the woman in this film, mm-hmm. uh, Jordan, she was in Galactica 1980. Was she really? She's in the first episode. I, uh, I believe her character's named Anne. My guess is she plays the secretary to the uh, professor in that show. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. I don't remember. But it's the actress is Sharon Acker. For yes, whoever, Sharon Acker. Whoever knows who that, who that is. I, I don't, unfortunately. Anyway, that was a little, little fun. Before we get into it, though, I'm going to give us a little quick uh, 
idea of what was going on in the world around the time this came out just for for funds mm-hmm. i it's you know one day uh, february 26 1973 um you know what i think i might have messed up how i did this but whatever i'm still gonna do it <laughs> all my dates are from august so i'm like wait that's not february no. well it's 1973 it's, it's somewhere in it's, 73. it's when people were still talking about this because it made such a splash in august people were still like stranger sure. stranger uh here's what here's all i got for you the uh <laughs> Let's see if I can pronounce this. The Normalstrog robbery happened, which is what created Stockholm Syndrome. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. That oh, was that's the, the origin of it. Uh, Dave Chappelle was born. Mm-hmm. Uh, and director John Ford and J.R.R. Tolkien died around this time. Oh. Eh, or not, depending on how my dates are. <laughs> <laughs> really uh, whiff that one. All right. But you know what? Let's get into this show. Here is the INDB summary for The Stranger. After a freak mishap, an astronaut finds himself on an almost precise copy of Earth, bracket, right down to the Plymouth cars, end bracket. (laughs) However, this planet has three moons and is run by an Orwellian government called the Perfect Order. And uh, that is courtesy of Leo L. Schwab. Let me say one thing before we start. We can talk about this in any order, but two things we have to talk about are one, is this an Orwellian sort of uh, organization and, and world they live in? And the second thing, is this an actual replica of Earth, and does that make sense in any way? Those are just two things I'm throwing out there before we get into it. Uh, well, I couldn't agree more that we have to talk about both of those things. <laughs> do you want to talk about them now? Or do you no, want to no, wait? no, no. I'm just, I'm just throwing these it out are, there. These are the seeds we're giving. <laughs> yeah, our that's planting. right. Yeah, that's right. I want to. I do want to say that whoever wrote that um, summary uh, nailed it because the the fact that there's like no Florida on this like Earth too, <laughs> no. but. There's like the exact like 1973 yeah. like Pontiac whatever is was hilarious. It is. There's no change in the world whatsoever <laughs> except for that it's like it is such a weird. It is so weird because they're like it's identical except that it's not. I'm like wait, which is it? Yeah. All right. Um, as it mentions, we start in space with an astronaut uh, in a, in a space capsule. I guess sort of like the Apollo 11 orbiter. Like it, it does seem like a 60s space capsule, right? I thought that I didn't even think at first when it, you first see because it's it's the title credits you see the stranger comes up and then there's little tiny I think you said it before we started recording like a little thimble is what it looked like and it does sort of look like almost someone just threw it in front of the camera it's not <laughs> yeah. the greatest special effect ever um, or practical effect I suppose but but I didn't think uh, it looked like a what I imagined the spaceship would look like is that just me well it didn't look like your classic like I I watched that moon documentary you know the moon documentary where they land on the moon Mm -hmm. uh but i'll follow 11 i don't know i think that's what that capsule looked like it was just like a little like Mm -hmm. or like or a little tripod that just lands yeah either way it fits three men in it three men those men our hero colonel neil striker Mm -hmm. what a name yeah it's a good one and uh two other guys steve and mike yeah, I know. Yeah, you don't, don't worry. You don't need to learn too much about them. I do like what we learned about Steve is uh, Steve or Mike. Oh, Mike, he he just wants to get home to his new wife. There's a weird, she's like, but you can't get home to that new wife, eh? And he's like, you know it. <laughs> but they're like returning from deep space in this little capsule and they're like lost or something? Well, I think what they they say is that they're, um, uh, something is not going right with like their control panel and th- and they're having communication th- communication issues with houston as well so they're at least off course where they're supposed to be i don't know how that really makes sense because i think they're just orbiting but 
Anyways, things are not, they, they're having some issues, but no one seems that worried about it. I would be a lot more worried in space if they're like, yeah, by the way, the computer's not working. We don't know where you are and you're left floating blindly. And they're like, I guess we'll figure it out. Yeah. Get back to that wife of yours. It always it like struck me as odd that, um, you know, in 1973, being within our galaxy was still like, or within our um, solar system was still like so far into deep space. Like all of this <laughs> is really happening within the observable yeah. <laughs> solar system. There's a whole other... The it's human race inconceivable yeah and i do like because pretty much immediately things start going wrong and their little capsule starts spinning and stuff but uh did you catch just just as everything goes wrong there's like one line there he, that i think neil's in the middle of speaking as things go wrong what was it it's just so weird because they're like like ah we'll be fine we'll get back soon and like as everything goes wrong and neil's cut off saying this he's like hey mike how about a nice thick juicy <laughs> and that's where it ends. Like that's the oh, end of the oh, line. And I was just I like, I don't remember that. I want to hear where this, where this ends. I believe they're talking about like what they're gonna do when they get home. But I'm just like, what a weird, <laughs> what a weird line. Someone's just like, and stop. <laughs> I think as everyone knows, it's a stake. It's got to be a stake, right? Well, I mean, that's the idea. But it just, it's some some writers just like laughing it, laughing it up. He's like, oh, what a way, what a way to start this show. So so when I want to ask you when the thimble starts spinning. <laughs> And uh, the astronauts start shaking and convulsing. <laughs> what did what did you think was going to happen next? Did you guys know what the movie was about? Or I didn't really know. No, I, mean, I didn't either. I thought they were being um, possessed by like some alien force. <laughs> That's I, mean, what I thought it was going to be like body snatchers, kind of like. I was unnerved because you're right. It starts shaking. I'm like, oh, what's going to happen? I think I'm going to crash. And it's like hard cut to black. <laughs> and then... He just is like in a hospital bed. I'm like, what? Yeah, they didn't. They like, don't have to pay for that actual uh, ship crashing anywhere. I mean, I guess that's part of the mystery. But I was also just like, I'm like, I'm like, oh, here we go. And I'm like, wait, what? What happened here? Because it is, it is a pretty abrupt cut into the hospital. And wh- what do we kind of learn happened when he wakes up in this hospital? I think everybody died. Yeah, he's been there for two weeks. Been there for two weeks. He doesn't recognize anybody who's coming to visit him. And uh, he's got a doctor, Doctor. Uh, Pronounce this for me. Oh, hold on. Let me, Rev- I can't. I've oh, yeah, Revere. It, Revere. Thank you, yeah. Dr. Revere. Yeah, Dr. Revere. I've that's written, right. I've written it down, and every time that's I look right. at my own writing, I'm just like, I want to say Revere, and I'm like, that's yeah, not Dr. correct. That's right, yeah, Dr. Revere. Who do you know who Paul Revere is? And that was how he knew that they weren't. In There's something funny. America. He. Well, because you know why? Because every red, red-blooded, patriotic American knows who goddamn Paul Revere is. That's why. Do you know who Paul Revere is? Yeah, of course I do. I actually don't really know. I know the Beastie Boys song. <laughs> and I know he was uh, some sort of American. He He's the one who, uh, when the British were attacking, he let everyone know. He The 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 fable being, uh, he ran through the streets ringing the bell saying the British are coming. That was right. Paul Revere. So uh, so if you're this guy's doctor and he's just like, so uh, Paul Revere, you're like, yeah, I love that song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this guy's like, like oh, uh-oh. <laughs> he would have thought I was Russian too. So, but that is the point of the scene. The scene is he wakes up. Everything's yeah, odd. everything's odd, and he knows there's something wrong. And and we we're supposed to get the. Uh, I mean, he knows something's wrong because the door to his hospital bed is a steel door. Yeah, and we're also supposed to get the impression that he's like a clever guy and that he can figure things out. I don't know if the actor um, really sells that he's an astronaut personally. Um, he seems more like a retired football player to me. But uh, <laughs> but anyways, the point is he's 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 figuring out things are not what they seem, and so yes, that's his his first test of the doctor is. He realizes the doctor's last name is Revere, and he goes this little historical thing, and the doctor sort of whiffs at the. Uh, well, he asks him, he's like, he's, you know, he's that great basket or baseball player. He's like, hmm, I don't watch sports. 
Also, he yeah. speaks Russian to it. Like that's right. He like he yeah. thinks he's been captured by Russians. Yeah, that's his yeah. first implication. Is yeah. But everyone speaks perfect American English. I know it is. It is weird, especially as we come to know. It's like this is fake Earth or a a replica of Earth. So everyone speaks perfect English. Yeah, I thought it was going to be a plot point that the Russians had trained all these people to have like a perfect American accent, but alas, oh. no, it's not. No. <laughs> um, this is apropos to nothing, but a well, Doctor Revere is trying to assure him he's on his Earth. He he tells him, "Oh, you're a big hero now." He's like. And you'll never guess what. Uh, restaurateur Tony Angelo from Boston. He's flying in fresh scrod for you. And I was like, <laughs> he's like, oh, I love scrod. I'm like, what the fuck is scrod? I, 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 I thought it was a fish. I Googled it. It's some sort of fish. Is it? Okay. But it's just such a, it's such a weird specific thing. You know how you love scrod? You're definitely on your earth. Well, so, yeah, we find out he has been, he's, uh, he, he tells the doctor that he's been having really weird dreams. It's a thing he says, and he's and I think he all does. He also say that he's worried he's been talking to sleep. Yeah, and he has been. He's been talking to sleep. Yeah, he's been giving away NASA secrets because, well, <laughs> because they, we find out that the doctor has been. Uh, I don't know what he's been drugging him with, but they've been essentially drugging him this whole time to get information as to who he is. Again, we still don't know who the people that are doing this is. We think maybe it's Russians, maybe it's some sort of nefarious villains, but uh, it's it's still this kind of cloak and dagger guys that are behind uh behind a screen that are watching him so the whole the whole hospital room is like a secret lab where they're watching him he's like a little mouse going through uh yeah they're behind a two-way glass and this is where we meet our our core villain benedict yeah benedict good good villain name you can tell that they're evil because the music tells you (laughs) immediately that they're evil this guy i think he might be evil and the blazer with the turtleneck (laughs) is also a big hint okay he has a couple things one did benedict have a facelift is that why his face is a little odd because he looks like tony bennett young tony bennett with a facelift I, I honestly i was like as i was watching this i was really hoping that like i was like you know it would have been awesome if leonard nimoy was striker <laughs> <laughs> i really missed him that would have been the perfect villain for him because they both kind of have this very it's direct i could definitely see it i could definitely see it um but yes all the we find that the uniform of the villains is a double-breasted gray suit <laughs> with a black turtleneck and that's the look yeah. i thought it was just him but i realized oh no all of them are wearing yeah, it's a it. uniform yeah it's a uniform yeah. Uh, and Benedict's not happy with how they're getting this information out. He's a little tired of having to wait for him to like talk in his sleep to give NASA secrets up. And uh, he he teases for the first time. It's like, we should just take him to Ward E. And Ward E is going to be this thing that they constantly throw in our faces. Yeah. Until we finally, disappointingly, <laughs> go to Ward E. e. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Ward E sucks, though. We know that for sure. The Ward E, yeah, that's all you know. You don't, you don't want to go to Ward E. You don't want to mess with the Ward. I guess, is that the first, like, maybe Orwellian touch? Is it, like, Ward E? Yeah, that there's this place that, who knows? Who knows what could happen? Are you getting brainwashed? Are you getting tortured? Or are you getting more of I the above? Did, I don't want to spoil too much, but I did hypothesize Luatomy. Yeah. I mean, you're not far. I mean, you might actually be. I, I was going to say you're not far off, but as far as we know, you're probably dead on the money. <laughs> Well, I think that I mean, we'll get that's into that's what uh, that's what that's what happens to a few people in this show. But when they said Ward E, were you guys not like, ooh, that's where the lobotomies happen, right? In this I, I assume perfect, I assume something like that would happen. Yeah, society. Yeah, cer- certainly, I knew something terrible was going to happen in Ward E. Yeah. Should we should we mention that uh, the doctor and what was Tony Bennett character's name? Can we just call him Tony Bennett? Yeah, and Tony Benedict. Yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> that's pretty close. So, uh, so Tony Bennett and the Doctor—they said it right up at the beginning that they're at odds. The Doctor thinks they're pushing uh, too hard. Striker, yeah, Striker. Uh, Neil, 
yeah neil call him neil pushing neil too hard and the other guy's like no like we need more more information and that's like they they're at heads yeah they're at odds i mean it's it's a short-lived conflict because uh the drugs start wearing off on neil and this is where he uh he first breaks out of this hospital like Mm -hmm. the orderly comes to check on him and he just like shoves the orderly over like it's like the weakest shove he runs outside benedict runs out to stop him we get our first karate chop of the episode benedict takes a karate chop but this is something i obsessed over for the rest of the show because he chops benedict he starts running down this hospital hallway benedict shoots him in the gut yeah shoots neil in the gut well he gets shot in the side and i would argue at no point in this show does he ever get medical attention well i think it's a well-known fact on earth too uh a gunshot wound heals itself i, I it must be the case because i kept waiting for him at some point he kind of puts a band-aid on it but that's the most that's the, like i'm like that bullet's still in there somewhere yeah it was it was the weirdest thing i'm just and he's He's climbing staircase. Like, he's doing stunts. I'm like, you're dying. You're bleeding to death right now. <laughs> he's a man's man. Um, you don't but, get a name like Stryker without taking a few bullets. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Stryker escapes the hospital. There's a there's a classic switcheroo where he sends a dumbwaiter down to distract Benedict, and they, like, machine gun up a dumbwaiter. But essentially, Neil's able to escape this hospital. And uh, when he gets out into the, into the open world, the first thing he does is find a phone booth with no buttons or coin slots. Mm-hmm. Suspicious. Yeah, something's weird. Oh, does he get the uh, get picked up by? This is a round the... where he gets picked up. This, but yeah. yeah, is that before or after? Well, no, he tries to call Cape Kennedy first. Yeah, he tries right. to call. Yeah, exactly. His and he base. gets he gets the operator, and they're like, "We've never heard of that before." And he's like, "You must have heard of this." And he's like, "No." And they're like, "Florida." And they're like, "We've never heard of Florida." And he's like, "No, Florida, no, <laughs> a world without Florida." <laughs> it's such a. It was. It was, This was like the big setup. Just like wherever he is. There's no Florida here. Yeah. Which was like, for me, the, the most difficult thing is because if everything is supposed to be exactly the same way, down to like, we speak the same language with the same accent, with the same yeah. everything. Are you saying the very flimsy sort of world they set up doesn't <laughs> well, all add up? <laughs> why couldn't they just let there be a floor? You know what I mean? I like, know. I know. If it's, it's like such a perfect replica, go take the whole way. We might be able to talk, talk about it now. That, that is what we're going to find out very shortly. Yeah, is he, that he gets in a van, he sees three moons, and he realizes... He's not on Earth. Oh, and he asks the van driver, he's like, is this Earth? He's like, what's Earth? And we're like, ah! Oh. Yeah. yeah, and he freaks out. Yeah, it tells her it's like, like a big pull-in. Yeah, and there's like a big zoom, and his <laughs> yeah. eyes light up, and... So yeah, the, it, his bullet com- wound com- continues to bleed. <laughs> <He's> just, like, <laughs> just bleeding all of this guy's upholstery <laughs> in this van. Um, but yeah, I mean, let's talk about this other Earth. So theoretically, we're told later, it's a mirror Earth that mm. orbits on the opposite side of the sun from our Earth. So we've never seen it. Yeah. Which I guess is a theory that existed. Yeah, I think you and I talked really briefly, I think, about it. Um, or I might have actually talked to someone else in the office and <laughs> bored them about it. But uh we talked about that this in the late sixties, early seventies, this was a very fringe sort of uh theory about that there's maybe a possibility that there's an exact mirror earth and that we just can't see it because we're always blocking being blocked by the moon i guess the sun the sun but do you know how well no i, I don't well, the I, earth well, works why well, it's because it's it doesn't make any sense it's hard to even try to figure out how what the theory is you, you think we orbit each other but the moon blocks us well no but i mean okay you're right you're right so well, that's how that's how hard it is to figure out this yeah. show it would be the sun blocking i think in the explanation yes. of the show it's the sun but if it has three moons orbiting this it's or two, it's already deviated from us yes you would think we would yeah. see those moons and but yes the point is 
These are two worlds who have evolved at the exact same time. So everything has evolved. The same technology has evolved. Humans have evolved. The language has evolved exactly the same. But for some reason, uh, there are some differences. And it, it is a weird thing where you think they would go one or the other. Like, this yeah. is an opposite world. It's evolved in a different way. So they they speak differently and they dress differently and they do things differently. Or maybe it's an exact opposite. So there's like a mirror universe. But they sort of want both versions or like it's the same but it's different but it almost as we'll go through the show it kind of hurts the show because it if it's exactly the same it's like it's hard to show what is what he's railing against it's like what's the same earth it's like oh it's just as in florida who cares yeah it's the same as earth what does it matter it's like oh people button their shirts on the opposite side like who cares it's i i personally didn't think there was enough differences and I think that's maybe would have been a problem. You, you, if this didn't, became... you didn't think there were enough differences, but everyone's left-handed in this world. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah, so exactly. <laughs> but anyways, but that so is that the, should, absolute that, no consequence. That was because yeah. this truck driver looks at him and he's holding his bullet wound and using his right hand to smoke a cigarette, and he's just like, "Oh, yeah, you, you hurt your left hand or something?" <laughs> I was like, "What? Wait, what? Oh, do you yeah. think that's why what does that this was need to be a plot point?" No, he says it. He's, yeah. they, he says, "Oh, I didn't realize that." He flat out says, "He's like, why are you smoking with your right hand?" <laughs> he's like, "Did you hurt your left hand or something?" That is weird. And uh, it's revealed that we all use our left hand in this world. Yeah, they shake with the left for no reason. Are, are, are you both right-handed? I am right-handed, yeah. yeah. I'm left-handed, so yeah. I, might this be, is I, I might be from Terra. Yeah. Yes. Oh, and that, I guess, is the other thing. It's not called Earth. It's called Terra. Yeah. Again, English is still English, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Every other word evolved the same, except for Earth and Florida. <laughs> and Florida. That's That's it. <laughs> I do. I did wonder. I'm like, so all the states are named differently, or there's just no Florida in this world? <laughs> yeah, because they all are like seemingly American. That was such an interesting idea. That even the flimsy science behind it, and that it doesn't make sense that the sun would block you. There's some interesting ideas that even if like humans evolved at the same time, but different historical figures had done different things, so it would have adjusted history. That would have been interesting. Like, and then it would mm. make sense. Oh, well, they have a completely different society well because they have a different history even though we're all humans and that that's an interesting idea but that's it's almost sort, like well, they, they didn't really want to do it like and they that's were, the next scene kind of that's the kind of almost where they're headed with it because the next scene is benedict talking to this uh to this council this the perfect order inner council mm-hmm. and the the perfect order runs this world and like what what is the perfect order a metaphor for well, I'm assuming, I assume it's a, a Cold War communist sort of sort of thing they're pushing. Can, can we go back and flog the Earth 2 Terra thing a little bit more? Sure. Because <laughs> I, I really did find it distracting. <laughs> like trying to figure out what could be the same and what could be different. I did like, the exact same thing when I was watching it. Even the, fir- the, what's the, first, world, the first order? I, perfect, the perfect, perfect order. The perfect order. If you have this like political system that's the perfect order, mm-hmm. you're not going to get the Pontiac Firebird right. in the exact same way. You know, like you don't have capitalism to build it. Yeah, you can't have physical determination in one sense and then like a whole different political system in another just to uh, well, reiterate this point one more time, which is really going to be a lot of fun for me to rip what, on. What is, what, is the political, what is the political system of the perfect order? Like what is their, what are their, what is their core operating belief? Well, it's funny too because when they first bring it up, he's like, it's just an – they like he criticizes dictatorship. He, yeah, he he yeah. Benedict he, criticizes previous dictatorships. Yeah, and um, in the perfect order, there's no war. Everyone's looking after each other. Sounds pretty mean, good. Everyone thinks the same thing. Like everyone agrees that they all should think the same thing. And if you don't, you go to Wardy. And all the history that they teach, I assume, in school and that people know, only goes back thirty years, which is when the perfect order took over. 
So, and they sort of like pretend nothing happened before that, or at least it's not common. Discussed. It's not discussed what happened before. Cause it's a bad time. Everyone was starving. Yeah. Yeah. But do you think it's uh, supposed to be like Nazi Germany or like socialist? It's what's funny is I think Russia. they're, they're splitting the difference between those two things. They want it sometimes to be Nazi Germany yeah. and they want yeah. it sometimes to be communist Russia. Yeah. It's the, but, it's the common Nazis. Benedict's telling the inner council how they have to chase down old Neil because they can't risk him out in the world in the wild. Uh, and the reason being his, this is the exact quote, he can't risk his freedom of thought and uncontrollable spirit. It'll spread like an infection. Yeah. They don't seem to know, it. like they've been just knocking about and hearing him talking about secrets. Like the idea that they know he's just like, his uncontrollable spirit will be too much for our world. Yeah. It's, it's such an odd idea. Also, uh, I said it again. He's a virus in uniformity. Do you do you think this a- this actor playing the role? Do you think he looks like such a charismatic person who's going to like lead people behind him? I think he kind of looks like a dope. Yeah, I was. I, I'm. I'll say it again. I was really praying for Nimoy. <laughs> he he would have sold it. Nimoy would have sold it. Nimoy would have been. I do perfect. I do like the idea of the villain showing up and me like we have to catch this guy because he's so beautiful and uh, just like the nicest guy you'll ever meet. Like it's just like all positive traits he's giving him. He's just like. Right. I'm just like, it's such a weird way to like set up your, your villains would be like, we got to get him because of all these awesome traits he has. He's so great. Uh, and we don't like that. It's it's such a telegraph. But, but I'll say they, they, I don't think they fully realize it, but uh, Benedict, that's the villain's name. Yes. They at least do give him a goal and something that he wants. Yeah, which yeah. Is, he just wants to avoid pain in society. That's what he says, which is, that's interesting. That's an interesting character trait. Now again, they don't quite. I mean, lean into it enough, but I was like, that, at least, at least he has a point. It's not just like he's angry to be no, a villain, you know. Uh, that, I mean, that is it. They're just like the perfect order is perfect because now there's no war, there's no, there's no starvation, so we need to protect this at all costs. Like, it's fine. Like, it's it's a noble goal, even if it is like we're supposed to be like communism can't can't trust it. Yeah, yeah, especially like if there was some sort of personal like loss that happened during a civil war or something where th- you can really well, and he does say he's just like to his assistant like when they're like what's the big deal he's just like have you ever seen a man starve to death i have like he really implies there was something awful before this Mm -hmm. which like that's the thing there's like moments where you're like oh there's almost an idea somewhere lost in this muddled mess but uh not really but you you're you have a good point though because the writer does portray portray his own position like perpetually yeah (laughs) Like he just assumes that everyone will see these people as evil, maybe because of the music, but um, that this guy, this astro, this American astronaut, is just too likable for even the villains to yeah. see a flaw. But that I, they I, know their system is so problematic and flawed that I do like the idea. The writer is getting a note, being like, "I think you're a villain. Like you're you're giving him too many good points. It's like ah, the music will take care of that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't worry about it. I, the, I, the composer, that's his problem." Uh, we kind of pop back to the van, and uh, Neil's driving around. We get a little bulletin coming over the radio. This is, I think, another Orwellian bit where they kind of give you the uh, the wake thought of the day, mm-hmm. which is is kind of the most 1984 part where it's just like, to work for the perfect order is to live in perfect harmony. Everyone remember that. That's the wake thought. But there's also a bulletin uh, describing a escaped mental patient who fits Neil's description, <laughs> uh, at which point Neil's is like, I think, uh, I think uh, this is my stop. Just pull over yeah. right here, yeah. and I'll, uh, I'll get out for a second. But the... Uh, that that van driver, he's not fooled. No, because he matches the perfect description. He's whatever a beautiful American-looking six, six one, foot four, yeah, yeah. blue eyes, <laughs> just charming the, smile. Yeah, yeah. He's like, he had a charming smile. Wait a minute. <laughs> and the van the van driver hops out, jumps on a payphone, calls the uh, Department of Protection. Yeah, 
and sort of you know reports him basically as any good citizen does well uh, because he wants to be an honor citizen honest well, citizen well and that is the part that came up that i'm just like i need to know more about because he, like, he's he's asking he's like hey so um am i gonna get honor citizen points for this am I gonna, like what kind of prizes do you get with these points like how what, what is an honor citizen what well, are honor citizen points again, there might be an interesting idea there but they only give it this is the only scene it ever comes up which is oh yeah maybe there's some sort of hierarchy in society based on uh it's based on a point system we know based, that on, for sure. based on a point system of doing certain things that the perfect order has outlined in terms of points i mean if that's get, kind of interesting but that's the only scene you ever have it so it doesn't if you get 250 points you get a pogo stick yeah something I Something. mean, this point system sounds really evil, but I bet you it's still better than the Radisson Rewards point system. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Taking it, taking Radisson down. Just uh, shots fired. fired. <laughs> <laughs> this is, this is the one Radisson comes after. Yeah. This episode. <laughs> um, and anyway, like Neil's like basically left for a long montage where he wanders the city as I assume he's bleeding out. Mm-hmm. perpetually he's just wandering this city the or just loudspeakers everywhere shouting about a mental patient on the loose can i mention that uh the police officers or whatever they're called in this world i guess the part of the protection center, department of protection they also wear black turtlenecks but they all wear black helmets so someone decided the costume yeah. designer all the villains black turtlenecks it's the most evil thing you could wear this so this movie comes out what like two years after star wars three no, years no star wars wouldn't have come out 77 star wars 77 because the, there's like a the, the, an eerie stormtrooper vibe to the... Oh, yeah, this is better than Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> no, a I real got, inspiration for George Lucas. I caught that, too. I was just like, this is a real stormtrooper look. But I guess maybe that's just what... Is that what... Because the, the stormtroopers are like, like Nazis. Like, that's kind of was like that. Is that the theme? Is that where this sort of like trope comes from? Like, weren't like the SS kind of like black helmeted, black booted kind of people? T- type of people. I, I think just black helmets look cool. Very shiny. They're very, very shiny. shiny. Yeah. I also caught that though. I'm like, but the stormtroopers is... are really shiny too. I kept making that note too. I'm like, stormtrooper, because that's exactly what I. Yeah. That's what they look like to me, like a low budget stormtrooper. Mm-hmm. Neil does finally take refuge in a bookstore, uh, <laughs> and the bookstore has a Department of Communications van out front. Did you figure out why that was relevant? No. It took me because I was just like because he walks up, he sees this van that says Department of Communications on it, and it's like a repair van. And he's leaving this bookstore, and I was just like, he's staring at both these items. I'm like, is he going to steal that van, or is he going to go into that bookstore? And he chooses to go into the bookstore. I was just like, what is that? And I realized Neil is so clever. He's seeing the only place in town whose radio is not working, so doesn't know mental patients on the loose because he spots a repairman. Oh, I didn't catch that at all. I was just like, good. I was just like, this is. This is the craziest amount of subtlety for a show that is, like, not subtle in any other form. You know what's funny? I thought... I didn't notice that at all, so kudos to you. But um, I thought it was interesting. I I can't think of another movie or TV show where, uh, you know, the basic idea of someone is stuck in a world or a city or something where they're they're the odd person out, and the first thing they do is go to a library. I actually thought that was pretty... Oh, no, a library. It's a bookstore. Yeah, bookstore, but, yeah, yeah. But I was like, that's actually a pretty good idea. That's and, that's something where you can quietly find out information. And he uses it to a perfect extent. Like, he goes in there, asks for a book on the history of the planet. That's where he learns, like, the perfect door has been around for 35 years, and there's no history they talk about before this. The the old bookstore owner's like, all I really remember from that time was there was more laughter and music. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, okie dokie. But, but he also, after he says that, he's like, but things are better now. Well, he catches himself. He basically is being wistful about the time before, and then he he catches himself, and you get the uh, implication that 
everyone's listening at all times. Again, that sort of big brother idea, um, which we'll lay into a little deeper later. Um, but yes, he catches himself because he's like, oh no, I'm saying something in public I shouldn't say. But then one of my favorite things in the entire movie comes up next when when he he yeah, what's his face does show that he's um, striker showing that he is getting he is injured and he's sort of like he sweating. looks sickly he, he looks, looks sickly. sickly and the guy's like hey want to go sleep in my place upstairs <laughs> yeah. and it just it seems so I'm like maybe that's just how they do it on Terra but that's just <laughs> I've never once been in a bookstore where someone's just like you look tired do you want to sleep in my apartment There's and then he also was like yeah I th- do th- these are the evils of communism Jordan. <laughs> You look sick. Would you like to lay down? Oh, disgusting. <laughs> like, let me ask you. You're in a bookstore. You're injured. And someone says, do you want to go sleep upstairs? Are you taking that offer? I think I might. Really? Yeah. No, no. I would avoid it at all costs. Really? I just pretend I'm not injured. I feel like you probably underestimate how tired you'd be with a bullet hole in your stomach. Perhaps. You've Perhaps. lost all of your blood. Yeah. <laughs> Aren't you a little afraid you're going to wake up without your clothes on? <sighs> It's just like lying down is really <laughs> sounds pretty good. <laughs> Even right now, Will imagining <laughs> lying down. If they, yeah. <laughs> Someone offered me a bed. You hard to say now. That's what we should bring for our guests. We should have a hammock. Today, <laughs> an option of like doing this from a hammock, from the prone position. Um, but he does take him up on that offer. He heads upstairs for a, a little lay down, and uh, the old bookstore owner is just like, "Well, he looks really sick. I better call the uh, Department of Medical Assistance to mm-hmm. uh, give him a hand." This is where we have a jump forward in time, and we see that he's like just essentially wrapped a bandage around the bullet wound. He's like, "All fixed. I did it yeah. myself." In the next scene, he's going to grab a pair of scissors as his weapon, and this is we didn't do a count, but this is the second time in the show where he's grabbed scissors weapon, not and there the will and not the last time. <laughs> no. His go-to is always grab a pair of scissors. Yeah. He yeah, he'll do that three or four times. Yeah. Same with the karate. Like it's like karate chops and stabbing someone are his yeah. his go-to. You're right. I think this must be NASA training because he goes to it. Every single time. And NASA, they like have a table with a bunch of different instruments in front of you. And like, so someone's attacking you and you grab the hammer. They're like, no, it's the scissors every time. You've chosen poorly. Yeah. (laughs) You're dead. But who should show up to help him? Why, it's a lady doctor who we saw at the hospital mm-hmm. earlier. And she I, ratted him out earlier. I, I, I left it out till now because it's a very funny scene. I, and I never thought it would come back up. But he runs into a room at the hospital, sees this woman. And she's like, I won't tell anyone you're here. And she runs out, and the first person she bumps into, she's like, he's in there. Like, yeah. There's like a 10-second gap between her saying, I won't tell on you, and then immediately telling her. Now, here's it. my second question for both of you. You work in the hospital. Mm-hmm. You're that nurse. Yeah. You see the guy that's wounded. She's a doctor. She's a doctor. Sorry. <laughs> he's, his 6'1", blue eyes. Yeah. Now, striker. And he goes, hey, don't tell anyone I'm here. When you leave that room, you telling someone? Because I'm telling you this, 100%, I'm going, there's a guy back there bleeding. <laughs> I'm ratting him out in a second. I'm not. I'm not costing my uh, t- getting rid of my cushy job at the Department of Medical Assistance. You know, it's funny because I actually did think about this too. But uh, like we learned later, again, am I allowed to give stuff? Yeah, away yeah, yeah fine, go for it. Yeah, it came yeah. out in 1973. The spoilers are gone at this point. <laughs> you find out later that her brother sort of been like abducted by the Perfect Order, and so she probably, at some level, is looking for some you know form of a resistance, and maybe if it comes in the form of a bleeding out. Alien. The most beautiful magic I've ever seen. Yeah. Maybe you would think about it for a minute. Half a but second. If you were really buying into the perfect order, 100% you're like, sorry, dude. Would you rat him out? Yeah, 100%. Okay, so we'd all really? rat him out. He had no he had no chance. So he got, he got well, no, he didn't get lucky because she ratted him out too. Uh, let me put it this way. If I just worked at a hospital, I walked to a room and a dude was bleeding out everywhere. And it's like, don't tell anyone I'm here. I'm like, I, I think I think I got to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I think it really begs a larger question. If you're part of like a uniform thinking dictatorship, 
are you buying into it or yeah. are you smart enough to or i guess well and we should mention there's a relative term but at this point we haven't really seen anything that's bad yet i mean people have talked about like no, it's exactly oh. the same well i know it's like you get the idea that there <laughs> might be some sort of um uh free speech suppression and there might be uh a, like an autocratic government but other than that, it is really crazy, not actually, that much. Because you're right. We've seen him wander around the city. It's not like he's seen bread lines. It's not like he's seen no. any of the things you associate with like no, communist it's Russia. Society. It's like they stepped outside in like Indiana and just filmed this movie. Yeah. So it's exactly the well, same as like 1970s America. And, and I can say like, I think we all probably know the reason why it is exactly the same is it's much cheaper than having to, <laughs> yeah, than yeah, having to 100%. do these things. But I, yeah. they almost, because they went in that direction, it hurts the show a little bit more. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it would have been fun if some things were different. Everyone wears funny shoes. I'm like, oh, that's different. But, like, they just, it's like, no, 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 we'll just film it with normal people walking around because it's cheaper. Well, but, the other thing, too, is, like, when he's stuck in the hospital, they make a whole point about, like, the windows are blocked out, so he can't see the outside world or know yeah. where he is. But then when he gets out there, it's exactly the same. <laughs> he wouldn't he would know, have, yeah. You he wouldn't know no the idea. difference. But, yes, uh, this this doctor, what's her name, Jordan? Do you remember? Ooh, I'm going to look it up. Her it's, name is uh, Doctor. Oh yeah, I did. Know. It's like Benita or something. B- like Bettina that? is Doctor Bettina Cook, but Bettina is not a name, is it? Bettina Cook, Bettina as a name I've never heard before. It's both Betty and Tina combined. Yeah, Bettina, Bettina. Is, is that beautiful? Is that a Terra it's, name, or is that just like in the seventies people are like Bettina's? I've around. never heard the name before. I think uh, this writer is just a real genius. <laughs> because Benedict's a normal name on her, but not. <laughs> I mean, it might mean something, but really, she's there. And everyone, the viewer, is really just supposed to go like, I smell a romance here. I, I also wonder, do you think that the karate chop uh, stuff in the script came first or the name Striker first <laughs> and then they gave him the karate chops? I think the actor showed up and he's like, hey, guys, check this out. <laughs> and they're like, oh, we got to put that in. Yeah. We got to call him Striker now. I've been studying karate, you guys. <laughs> um, there's a weird scene here. Bettina basically is like, hey, uh, I recognize you from the hospital. You should go back there. You should turn yourself in. It's not so bad here. Uh, Neil's just like, yeah, okay. He like lies to her. He's like, okay, if you drive, we'll do it. And this is kind of becomes our scene where they're driving around. They get to know each other. Mm-hmm. She learns he's not such a bad guy and she's going to join his side because this is sort of what happens here. And there's some weird sequence. Like, there's a scene where they're driving around and she's just like, he's like, turn right. She's like, the hospital's not right. He's just like, yeah, I lied to you. We're not going to the hospital. And then a car drives by. And so the car doesn't notice that uh, he's kidnapped her. He forces himself himself upon her. Yeah. Yes, but it is 1973. So when he kisses her, she's very happy about it. Yeah, she's into it. <laughs> she's into being forced forced upon. Forced upon. And of course, this is where they talk about her brother. It is funny though, because there's this implication that like he's going to spread free free thought like a virus. And when they start and they're talking about him, and she's like, "You're a mental patient. We got to go back." He's like, and she's like, "My brother's a mental patient. He had to get he had to go get treated by the perfect order too. He's perfectly fine now." And, and he's like, and he's like, "Is he?" And he's like, "She's like, well, no, actually, he was some sort of political dissident, and he disappeared, and I've never seen him again." Yeah. She's like, "Hey, wait a minute. I don't like like it's this weird turn where she says she just says." It's all good. And then she thinks about it for 10 seconds. She's like, no, wait, I've never seen him again. And he's uh, disappeared into Ward E. Wait, is something bad going on? It was a, he really had to dig deep with the, are you sure? And then she uh, completely reverses course. But more exciting, a helicopter shows up in five seconds. Well, it's because, unfortunately, before she believed him, she turned on the two-way radio. Yeah. So, yeah, what we find out is in this world, there's also two-way radios where I guess at any point, if you have it on, the government can listen to you. Jordan, in Terra, 
radio listens to you. Right. But we also find out that much like 1984, we're also going to see TV screens that apparently watch you at all times too. Just like a smart TV, Jordan. Exactly. Which is what is in all the comments. Yeah. Is that right? (laughs) Of this show. It's like, oh, just like a smart TV, it watches you. Yeah. Um, But yes, it does lead to the best scene as as far as i'm concerned the best scene of this thing is there is a it ends in the best way a helicopter shows up and there is a car helicopter chase which actually looks like the most dangerous stunt i have ever seen yeah it's crazy the helicopter is like really is really like flying aggressively through those trees like you're seeing it fly 10 feet off the ground six feet off the ground at times through trees and you're seeing it clip the branches off trees like this helicopter is so low and moving so fast they also knew this was this must mean what was in the commercials because this scene goes on for a while too because they're like this is a good stuff this is what you've been waiting for the helicopter chase yeah like that's the thing i felt uh, like it definitely went on long but i was just why i just i kept waiting for it to crash because it is so it looks like there were no laws at this point of time like yeah it is 10 feet behind this car it's chasing it's all in like one big shot and i'm just like this could all end in tragedy at any moment but it it does end in tragedy and unfortunately i think the worst part of the helicopter chase is the actual explosion because what happens is he's uh, also a great driver as i think every lead in the 1970s is they're always great drivers and so he's able to maneuver into a uh, position where it ends up flying into a windmill like on a farm yeah and uh and then it explodes in the funniest explosion ever it was just like I don't even know. I don't know what the effect is. They did it, but it looks terrible. It's an optical printing thing mm. where you'd like cut out one thing and put like, it's like Photoshop basically, but it is the worst Photoshop because you can actually see the edges around the explosion from whatever scene it was on before. Like they didn't even bother like blending it into the background. They're like, and now explosion. It's like, Ooh, what happened? I thought it was great. <laughs> I well. was super impressed by that sequence. <laughs> I also love that chase. That is as far as that is the best part of this whole show for me. was that uh, helicopter chase. The idea of shooting that sequence like as like a filmmaker is like terrifying. Oh, I kept looking for like any sort of anecdote about how like three people were killed in the making of that sequence. Yeah, because I'm just like, there's this is so dangerous. Yeah. Anyway, um, uh, she after they escape his helicopter takes him to a pig farm. This was a, this was a bit of a turn, huh? Because a way which I mentioned that up until this point, Bettina has ratted him out. She's seemed very for lack of a better term brainwashed by the perfect order but then she now takes him to a farm to see like an old professor of hers and and then it seems like she's now turned like she's like well yeah, she, i'm on his side she thought about how her brother she hasn't seen her brother in a few years and she's like why is that yeah she hasn't thought about it before and th- this guy seems to be uh living i think they're sort of implied that he's a little bit you know quote-unquote like off the grid he isn't his isn't as monitored as everyone else that's living in maybe in the cities because he seems to have a little bit more free thought. Professor Professor Macaulay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that seems to be the case with him. Although we come to learn he also has been a political dissident. Like he's been toward E. Yeah. And they made him a heroin addict. Is that what they did to him? They did. I don't know. Well, no. What they've it's implied. Like the Soma a bit or something. They've I think. implied it, that. Yes. He tells them there's two things he does. One, he gives them I, in the greatest bit of exposition where it's just a long shot. He just explains everything about the double earth theory as they just walk. And so you're like, now you're all caught up, everyone. That's how it works. And it's like, and there's no questions. And, and, and uh, old. Uh, None of it adds up. St- Striker's just like, yeah, makes sense. As an astronaut, <laughs> that makes sense. But then, yes, they he very shortly after they again hint uh, this uh, room E. What do they call it? ward ward e not the roomie it's roomie is in the ward uh and and that the torture is so bad that he now has to take 
some sort of insulin or something as a way well, they to said, they to, said he says it like they could have affected my brain but they decided just to affect my body at wordy for some reason. and now he has to, like he's like i'm gonna die in two years and between now and then i just have to constantly be taking my pills but he's still going to work and everything yeah and he's looking after the pigs he works for their space program like he had he's like a high-ranking official in their space program I couldn't figure it out. I'm like, they know you don't agree with them, but they've made you. Well, I think they've broken him. Is the idea they've like he's no longer distant because they've they've brought him to Ward E. So we've had the one kiss that yes. uh, force upon strike, her, force upon her, and then the one moment where she confesses that her brother was actually abducted and yeah. uh, strained or or lost, and um, I don't know any other moments for the rest of the movie where we're supposed to see them fall in love but it's expected that yeah. you're gonna buy that yeah it, for the rest it of has the happened now yeah. i think it is a bit of the thing we've seen with a lot of these uh older shows where the viewers at this time had seen the same thing over they just knew what they were supposed to expect as a as a viewer which is here's an attractive man here's an attractive woman they're both the leads they're gonna fall in love that's just that's just the way it is so and we don't need to really do all the dirty work because you get it we get it let's just get on to double earth you know yeah. get on to the important you're stuff. right yeah but you're right because i think it might be the next scene where she says to the professor like like be careful because i love him and i was like love yeah. him like five seconds ago like yeah. you didn't love him but yeah that's that's how fast it moves love it for sight happens all the time happens all the time uh this is the funniest part for her arc right here is the professor's like hey listen me and you neil let's work together let's get you off this planet but you know what you can't trust women they'll betray you every time I, as a professor, have had this happen to me multiple <laughs> times. And he turns to Bettina, and his exact quote to her is, hold on, where is it? Bettina, the kitchen's over there. I'm sure Neil is as hungry as I am. <laughs> this is his house. She's never been, I don't know. Like it's, He sends her to the kitchen to make them dinner while they discuss how they're going to get Neil off the planet. Yeah, well, he wild. did point out where it was. Yeah. He helped her. It, it was so <laughs> aggressive. They walk in the house, and she's like, Bettina, kitchen, now. <laughs> Um, but his plan is basically, hey, I'll take you to work. We'll swap you out with one of the astronauts. You can fly one of our spaceships home. It'll be great. Yeah. I thought this would have been more, uh, they would have pushed into this a little bit more, this idea that they're going to do this. Swaparoo? Sw- yeah, switcheroo, swaparoo. But it's just like, oh, yeah, I have all the documents. Everything's good. Yeah, I loved how easy. <laughs> every- oh, it would be great if I could see the, uh, you know, flight manuals. Oh, yeah, I've got them all right here. No problem. <laughs> no problem. Yeah. And then, like, and it just goes to, like, what was I was, like, so confused for a second. Hard cut to Neil making out with Bettina. And then she pulls away and is like, all right, goodbye forever. Please leave. <laughs> I'm like, whoa. But we should say, so the plan they're doing is uh, the professor and Stryker are going to pretend that Stryker is another astronaut. They're going to somehow have fake documents that we'll probably check out. And they're going to drive to the... They're gonna, it's, yeah. it's like a it's a launch site, right? Yeah, it's, it's, go? it's Cape Canaveral, but in Terra. And the hope is that he's going to be able to switch places, get onto the rocket, yeah, and they're gonna fly n- back to Earth. Yeah, they're going to knock out an astronaut, and he's just going to jump on a rocket. But I like that also, this planet also doesn't know about Earth. No, they do. Do they really, though? Yeah, they're so, they they talk about it very early on. That's why they're gathering this stuff, because they're like, they're like, oh, man, our, their space program is so far ahead of us. Like, Oh, I missed that. They're, they're kind of, I, there seems to be some implication that they're excited to have them because they can, like, so 
do you think then that the rocket is meant to go to Earth, or no, he's he's gonna like he's gonna twist tight. the twist the wheel to the right and turn it to Earth? I think that's what the implication is. Right. He's just gonna he's gonna go off course. Um, you guys, we've been talking a lot about Neil, but uh, what's Benedict been up to? <laughs> oh, well, he I know at one point he goes and talks to the uh, like a room of. Uh, I guess it's the perfect order, like the the higher ups, yeah, the powers he, that be. He gets in trouble with his bosses. They call him on a big blue blinking phone, and he has to go see the perfect order tribunal, yeah. which is like a huge throne room with like very like Nazi imagery. That he walks in, and the guy who used to have his job is on the council. So I guess this is his like career trajectory mm-hmm. if he does if he does a good job. But basically, he's in trouble. He's lost Striker. He's lost Bettina. He can't find Bettina anymore. And they're basically giving him like, hey, man, you got to get this figured out. He's like, all right, you know what I'll do? I'll finally go to Ward E and we'll figure what's going on. Yeah. When he said he was going to go to Ward E, who did you think he was going to go visit to figure out about Batina? Oh, I thought it'd be the brother. A hundred percent. I was like, we're going to meet her brother. But it's not. It's it's like, hey, viewers, remember that doctor you met uh, in like scene one and then we haven't talked about or seen in the next hour? Well, guess what? He's in Ward E. He's your yeah. boss. We're going to ask him if he happens to know any... Like, if you went missing, Jordan, and the police went to your boss, what would we be able to tell him? I know. Nothing. Nothing. Also, uh, Dr. Uh, uh, Rev- what's his name? Oh, Revere. Revere. Dr. Revere. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he's also been completely lobotomized, so he can't talk anyway. Yeah, yeah that was odd, right? It's like... They really if, fucked that up. They, yeah, they over lobotomized him, and he does. <laughs> they o- they over lobotomized yeah, him. He seems to have a perfect record in every other way, except for Striker existing, really. But yeah. he seems to get out of the hospital like pretty easily, and then his underling over lobotomizes. Well, you have to ask questions the before you review. start poking around in the brain. Yeah, yeah, you know. Well, you said we didn't need him anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I told you I was stuck in traffic. You went through with the surgery. <laughs> Um, so this is a bit of a dead end, but the the one the reason I bring it up is a we get to see Wardy, which is just a white hospital. I mean, I'll, I'll give them this. As we've mentioned, like you were saying at the beginning, when he could have just looked out the windows, it looks just like San Francisco or any sort of yeah, Cal- California city. But Wardy at least has a little bit of sci-fi elements. Like it's a sort of triangle hallway with lights along that's the side. True. And I was like, well, that's futuristic. And then they also did you notice that they had um. Uh, not doors that like close like in Star Wars and Star Trek, but they were doors that swing. They, yeah, they they're automatic close. doors, but they they're, swing. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was pretty good. What what I liked is because this all goes nowhere, and the doctor who I guess just lobotomized uh, this other guy, she's there and she's just like, "Well, I guess you got nothing from him. Too bad those other astronauts are dead." And Benedict turns around, and he's like, "Are they?" And I'm like, yeah. "I don't know. Yeah. Are they dead?" Yeah. You tell, tell us <laughs> what, why what, what was this tease about i think yeah. it was you hey, guys are on the same team like yeah, yeah. what's going on well i think they just they didn't want to uh close the chapter on maybe they'll bring these guys back for future episodes but it was right. an odd comment where is steve and mike yeah. we're dying to know <laughs> we do we, is mike ever gonna get back to that that new wife of his is he gonna get that big juicy thing <laughs> i don't know yeah jordan you're stuck out in space finish that sen- sentence i can't wait to get back to that big juicy Oh, wife it. of mine. <laughs> <laughs> they were talking. It was the same thing. It was the big white juicy wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Um, but Benedict does finally catch a break when Bettina gets home, and they just like pick her up at her door. It's like, oh hey, Bettina's back. Let's uh, let's grab her. Yeah. What what was her strategy though? Because so they know she's been gone. It looks like she's been abducted at one point. She goes to the professor. Then she's like, I'm gonna go back to my life, kind of pretend nothing happened. But she must know she's going to get picked up right away. Like before she even gets to her door in her apartment, they grab her. Well, I think here's the thing is I think the professor 
set her up. He's just like, you can't trust women. They're going to rat you out every time. And he's just like, just go home. And he, the professor knows she's dead. Yeah. You think so? I th- he knows exactly what's happening. The professor sent her back to die because he's like, we can't tell so her a single thing because I'm going to go send her back home and she's going to get immediately picked up. Like the professor has set her up. So you, the professor is more team striker than he's team Bettina. Oh, he's, he's, he, and, and simply because they're both men. Yeah. Well, he talks about how a woman betrayed me once. So that's why we can never, I can never trust another one. And later when they're sneaking into the uh, space base, they're like showing this security guy fake documents and the security guy's like, well, I don't have this guy on my list. And the, and the professor's like, yeah, yeah, that dumb secretary probably didn't give it to you. <laughs> like he throws some right. secretary who exists under the bus immediately. I'm like, I, I think the professor has been, uh, has some problems. Yeah. But yes, they get to this uh, space center. Hold on. Before we get to the space center, oh, yeah. there was two, two uh, little tidbits that I wanted to talk, talk about. All right, let's do it. So first, first of all, in case we didn't, already hate the perfect order enough because of the music and the <laughs> yeah and and the nothing the different yeah <laughs> um he does there is like an aside that the perfect order is trying to ruin whiskey and they have that, <laughs> oh that's and they right have like that's this right guys moment of like well at least we can enjoy a whiskey together and like <laughs> i think at this point patina is in the kitchen yeah this actually. is yeah, I, think you're right. I think you're right they went to the smoking room and uh yeah that's yeah, so right. He's, he's like, he's like they, have, they, ha- they haven't ruined whiskey yet. By the way, what's she, is she making sandwiches back there? <laughs> and then the other one was, I don't know if you remember this, but when they first arrive at the farm, he accuses one of his pigs of being a spy. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> they want, <laughs> like, oh, that's hilarious. He's like, no, no, I'm serious. And as the audience member, we're like, whoa, is this guy serious? Well, they Does, do, they do a close-up of spy? that pig. They like <laughs> cut into that pig. But my question for you is, is this an animal farm joke? Like, the pig is going to betray communism. I th- I think it is. A, yeah. I think it is an animal fart joke. Yeah. yeah. This author is very literate. He, uh, <laughs> the author of the screenplay. Well, I mean, the best bits of this are taken from obviously works like 1984 and stuff. Now <laughs> they don't realize them at all. Like the, it's like, yes, the TV that can watch you. And I thought that was a pretty cool thing where he's talked to strikers. Like don't come in the room with me. I'm going to go get this stuff. So they don't know you're like, that's a neat idea. But I noticed like the TV's never on, nor do they develop that idea at all. Cause that, that's a pretty cool idea. Like they could have had striker having to hide in the city because every there's screens everywhere, but they just, they don't do anything with it. Yeah. I mean, that is kind of what we see with uh, Benedict too. He's just like, he's there. He's got all these guys like watching monitors to see if he, they, he sees hmm. Bettina anywhere or striker. Like, yeah, there could have been like a idea. Like it's, you know, it's like facial recognition or something, but yeah. you just have a bunch of guys. Here. But like, yeah, they, they, that's not what catches them. It's the professor sending Bettina off yes. to die is what kind of gets them in trouble. Yeah. But yes, yeah, so let's, let's go to the spaceport. Professor's taking Neil there. They sneak him in as his new assistant. They're going to execute this plan. It's time to do it. Is there the implication? Because at one point he like touches the ink too. And he's like, oh, this is bad ink. So is the implication they have like a uh, a bad printing press in this place? And he's just made documents that are not very good? Is that what they're implying I, I think there? it's like fresh ink. I think that's because it's like a uh, signature on the document. I right. Think. It's so fresh, this ink. That but, but it works anyway. They get through. They get through. He blames it on the secretary. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they're going to execute this plan. And then the professor realizes he left his pills at home. They've driven all the way out here. No, he breaks. He breaks his vial. Oh, is that what happened? That's what happened. Yeah, yeah. Oh. he goes to take his little um, his little shot or whatever, and he oh. accidentally breaks it. And he's like, "Oh, my bad. I got to go back home. You're on your own for a little bit, Striker." It was very funny because I thought they arrived. They're like, "Time to do this." And he's like, "Oh, I got to go back home real quick." But that makes more sense to me. It's now. slightly better than that. Because <laughs> I just wrote down, is the professor stupid? <laughs> just clumsy. 
well the professor goes back to his stuff neil kind of just wanders around the pre the pre-launch facility just you know hanging out having well, a look what i like though is he he's the worst at, at trying to look innocuous he's just he has a clip clipboard <laughs> just, and, and he, but he doesn't even wander he kind of just stands in one spot and every people people come by he's like huh Huh. It's like at one point you'd be like, why is that guy just standing there? Doesn't he have something to do? He's been there for hours. Um, what I liked is while he's just hanging around, he bumps into a guy who knows him. Does he? Oh, yeah. He like grabs him. He's like, what do you do? I this won't is say, where he, that's I won't where say he that pulls that here. thing. Yeah, yeah. Like there's some guy walks by. He stops oh, and sees right. him. That, this is where he pulls a knife on a guy and he ends up like, no, scissors. Scissors on this guy. Who is this guy who recognizes him? Was he one of the pilots? Was he like a space? They reconstructed his brain, and now he was going back into space, and but like still remember him. I don't him think or so. I, I was like, is this like that'd be cool though? It's <laughs> like, is this supposed to be one of the orderlies from the hospital? I think that's must who be the also works at the flight facility. Ooh, maybe. I, I or just, no, maybe I actually probably what it is. I'm just thinking it now. It's probably because they've seen his face put out in the wanted poster type thing. But Neil recognizes him too. Yeah, there's like a moment oh, you're right. where they like snap zoom on each other's faces. And like, <gasps> actually, do you? And I'm like, who is this? You know what it actually probably is? It's probably just left over from a scene that got cut out. And there was probably another scene where these two knew each other, but they're like, oh, we just cut that out. No one will notice. And he, then there's a scene He's the on. florist who's driving the van early. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I could tell I was like checked out by this point because when that I remember that happening, but I was like, oh, it gives a fuck. <laughs> I mean, all it leads to is, yeah, he pulls scissors on him and then punches him in the face and throws him in a dumpster. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, he and ties then, his hands up with like a, the most flimsy piece of thread. And is like, but I like man. that it wasn't enough. They actually had to have the scene where he drags him, puts him in the dumpster, ties his hands. I'm like, you guys are spending a lot of time on this one character to make sure we never like because the viewer would be like, if he doesn't tie him up, that guy's coming back. I like he even had a name. He's like Eric. I'm like, <laughs> who is Eric? <laughs> yeah, he's introduced and expunged from the story as quickly. Yeah, so quickly you forget about him because you didn't know who he was at the beginning. You're like, what, what happened? But there? the karate chops are not done. No, he, this is more of a punching job. Yeah, I suppose it is. Um, we hop back to the professor's house here, where he goes to find his his medicine, and uh, Bettina returns to his door because she wants to she wants to go find Neil to say goodbye to him. But uh, she looks a little worse for wear. I was shocked by how beaten to shit she looked. Yeah, yeah. It, it actually was a moment where I went, oh, like they really like it's a little dark for uh, what is ultimately a very silly kind of movie i was like oh this is this for, has got dark real quick for yeah. sure where a guy's been bleeding out the entire thing and that's been a non-thing she shows up and she looks awful like she's got a huge black like it looks like they worked her over a lot yeah yeah and they also don't really tell you because she just she starts describing the two guys that were in this basement and you're like i don't want to know like what's happened <laughs> yeah it's it does sound like it is truly such a dark turn on a show that is just like so nothing up to this point you're like oh gross you guys <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um but she yes she wants to go find the man she loves yeah Neil, and uh say goodbye to him professor's like no way i still don't trust women <laughs> yeah um he drives back she just follows him in his car yeah and in case we were in case we didn't want any suspense while she's following in the car, she calls Benedict up on her radio and is like, I'm following him. We're going to the spaceport. So we know she's now a double agent. So yeah. the professor, not only did the professor set her up, he's just like, I'm going to make sure they turn you into a double agent. Yeah. Well, I think he just, he's just proven to be right. He knew he, knew he couldn't trust a woman. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he couldn't. <laughs> but as soon as they get back, as soon as he arrives back at the flight center, she's immediately behind him. And she like she's like, please take me to Neil. And he's just like, you know what? 
okay, I've decided to trust you after you followed me to the secret facility. Also, I don't know how she got past security, but it doesn't really matter. It's like um, it's like an early hint at Eternal Sunshine. And it's like even dis- despite her lobotomy, she still holds on to her love. For she her. still yeah. holds on to her love. I couldn't tell if that was the case or if this was like a, they planted something in her brain she needed to do. Like you need to get back to Neil at any cost. I, I think that's giving the show too much credit. Oh, like she's like a part robot now? Yeah, because like she's calling into Benedict being like, this is where I'm going. So like, like right. they planted something in her. But that's basically it is. Neil's been busy while they've been gone. He's stolen. He's karate chopped a gun off a security guard. He's busted into the astronaut changing room and has tied up all the astronauts. Yeah. And one of whom was an old college friend. An old college friend. (laughs) Um, The professor brings Bettina to him. He's like, here you go. Uh, Have a nice conversation. I'm going to go stand in the hallway for a few minutes. And this is where Neil, like, he takes off her headscarf to see her a battered face. And we see, like, a drill hole in the side of her head. terrifying it was yeah. terrifying and also they shaved the side of her head the actress had the side of her head shaved for this role and i was like man i thought the same thing because un- un- otherwise it's a very good partial bald cap but i thought the same thing i'm like oh they actually shaved her temple there's no way this movie spent the money on that i was just like this poor actress yeah i just had an idea though you know how there's that uh rogue <laughs> astronaut that he recognizes and recognizes him yeah if it is a world that is like physical determinism and made up of the exact same materials, maybe it's oh, like, it's like a person he knows. It's actually like a double, like everyone's a doppelganger on this world. And in the space program, it's probably the same people. So do you think that so is it's really, like oh. Earth two friends? So do you think guy. in a, in future episodes, Stryker's going to find himself, but with a mustache? Yeah. But, but the, the terror people would notice that he looks like a famous astronaut that they have on his planet. Absolutely. Right. You know what? I think you're right. That's got to be it. That makes that they'd be like, I finally recognize someone and he recognizes me. Like I have a doppelganger here and this is a doppelganger of someone I know. I think that's it. I think you're hundred percent right. So that's like got to be a future episodic plot point. Maybe. I don't know if I buy it. (laughs) Jordan, Jordan's skeptical. skeptical. I challenge you to come up for another explanation for that (laughs) rogue character that he knows on a different planet. (laughs) Um, It's a good, it's good explanation. Um, well, Bettina and Neil are like talking about her and her drill in her brain. The professor's <laughs> standing outside in the hallway, giving them a moment alone, at which point Benedict and his stormtroopers bust in. And I mean, I don't know. I, I didn't feel like Benedict knew who the professor was at this point, but they come in. They're like looking around the hallways. They can't see anyone. And the professor's standing at the end of a long hallway. He sees stormtroopers coming in. And he's like, you know, uh oh, I think the jig's up. And instead of being like quietly, like sliding into the room and warning them, he starts banging on the door, shouting, Neil, 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 which attracts Benedict's attention. And then they just machine gun him to yeah. death in the hallway. I was like, Professor, you could have handled this so much better. I was happy to see him go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no one's going to miss that professor. No. I do think like George Lucas has seen, had seen this movie, though, because like the three moons from A New Hope, that the Stormtroopers. That is true. There's for sure he's seen it. It's possible. I think it's definitely pl- probable even because that even the three moons effect, while still weak in this show, is very similar to the three yeah. moons effect. I think that's a good quote for the bottom of their DVD, but it's just you, Will, saying, George Lucas probably saw this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's a good, probably. It's not impossible. Um, Stormtroopers are like basically the same, but white. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Instead of a black costume, they're in a white costume. Yeah. Uh, but yes, now that the sort of all hell is broken loose, they're machine gunning Thank people. Thank you for specifying it was the costume I was talking about. 
just just in case anyone was wondering what that (laughs) reference was toward um uh neil bolts into the tunnels upon hearing all his machine guns there's like tunnels underneath this facility you kind of get this chase sequence where he's where neil is shooting stormtroopers off Mm -hmm. of every gangplank or catwalk you see like every stuntman has to fall 10 feet here's here's what we've learned about him he's he you instantly fall in love with him when you meet him he's smart he's good with scissors karate chops and he also is a great shot crack shot yeah that's everything you need right there. I mean, this is just like stormtroopers in the Star Wars too. They can't hit anything. <laughs> yeah, just like these guys. George Lucas. Definitely it it does become like an old western scene where he's just shooting everybody. Like they can't hit him, and he's just knocking them like left, right, and center. If, even Benedict gets shot in the shoulder. That's right. I assume he never patched that up and, either. You know what? What is it that he sees? At one point, he sees something, and they and they they can't follow him and can't shoot him because it was it liquid liquid the oxygen. Yeah, the space liquid shuttles oxygen, yeah. are run by yeah, liquid oxygen. Is is it's liquid thing. oxygen? Oh. And it's all piped through the facility, and he uses that basically as cover so they won't shoot him. Like this is kind of what it leads to, as he follows these pipes to the edge of the ocean, and he's surrounded by I don't know five hundred people. Like it seems like every person in this base has like surrounded him. And he has no choice. He's definitely not getting on a spaceship anymore. He has no choice but to leap off the side into the ocean. But as he leaps, he gets one final shot off. And he shoots the tank. And we get the most stock footage explosions, like three in a row. Yeah, if you if you thought the uh, helicopter again, looked I bad. I liked it. Yeah, yeah, you liked that? I was just buying it. Like with the helicopter sequence and this sequence, I was just... The explosions Fantastic. are the funnest part, yeah. for sure. What, what I like, though, so yeah, he, he jumps off and shoots it, and it's a huge explosion, like huge. But then they cut to like people just like running around and stuff, and I thought, no one is panicked enough. Like, this is a huge building has gone. Like, it, it, like there, should be, there should be hundreds and hundreds of people dead. It did feel like back at the launch facility, it, like there was no damage at all. That's what I mean. The explosion looked like it wiped it off the face of the earth. But yeah. it's hard. When you're getting stock footage, just get what you can get. <laughs> But our hero might be dead. He went into the water. That's it. That's the end of the show. Um, and uh, old Benedict's fine. He's walking around with his arm in a sling. And uh, his assistant's like, oh, yeah, he's dead. He's definitely dead. And uh, Benedict's like, I want his charred bones. Yeah. He really hates him now. He knows. He knows he can't trust him. He's too slippery. He could have got away. Yeah. But the we me- do. The metaphor of, like, the, uh, by the way, just to jump back to the, like, council that. Um, yeah, yeah, the tribunal. Yeah, that Tony Bennett had to go to. Um, the actor who plays like his old boss, I felt like was very, uh, like it's terrifying. Like I thought he was actually he was... like pretty good as that in that role. But I also like the, uh, the metaphor of, you know, if you have one blemish on your like record, it's like a, it's just a small dot on a big white canvas, but that dot is very, Oh yeah. It's all you can look at. It's all you can see. And that dot will become bigger and bigger. It is true. That scene is one of the better ones of the show because that guy's very menacing and he keeps it real casual. Like it's a real casual conversation. Mm-hmm. He's never like menacing, but it all, the undertones of it all are really good. Yeah. And then I was just thinking like he's just mad. He's getting more and more furious as that black that dot. just keeps growing. Yeah. Uh, but yes, this is kind of where the episode wraps up because Neil washes up on a beach somewhere else, bumps into a family who's just camping by the beach in the middle of the night. And he's like, hey, uh, my boat capsized out there. Uh, can you guys give me a ride into town? And they're oh, like, eh. am I back on Earth yet? No? All right. <laughs> did, did this ocean take me to Earth? No? All right. Uh, and we leave him with a shot of three moons in the background. I'm like, mm-hmm. will he ever get home? Do you get what his name he gives them? His fake name? What was it? James Mitchell. <laughs> that was it. I think he'll just use that for the rest of the show. I think so. I think that's his new thing. It's James Mitchell. Um, 
as a setup for that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, yeah, that, that like wraps up the show. And I think we've talked about it a little bit, but yeah, a typical episode of the show, like what, what it like it's, it's him. I think it should be him going to somewhere we know from this earth, but it's all topsy turvy. Like he goes to well, Nashville and that's where the white house is. Well, you would hope that, but again, they don't have a divergence at all. You know, like they, they sort of imply there is, but we've seen nothing one, there's nothing really interesting or distinctive about this totalitarian system. And also there hasn't been a real divergence as much as that's what they want to play with. Maybe that would be what the future episodes are is there's, we get, you know, oh, these cars are exactly the same, but they run on something else or something like that. But it just yeah. seems like, I think they just missed a turn there. That could have been something fun to work with. It would have made this a little bit more of an interesting of that would have been show. A, yeah. Well, what about... It's, it's kind of an argument for totalitarianism in a weird way. Like, you could have a totalitarian government and still all the luxuries you yeah. would have in a capitalist consumer That's society. Right. All you're giving up is a little bit of laughter and a little bit of music. And maybe whiskey at some point. But I did read a little bit, uh, and again, you mentioned before, there's not a lot of information out there in this show, but I did read that the people who made the show really just wanted... Their, their pitch was science fiction fugitive. And we've seen that in a few other shows that that show apparently had, I mean, like the waves that that show had that everyone just wanted that version of something that you have to tune into every week. What's going to happen this week, this week. And that's sort of, and that's what they wanted. This show is exactly the Planet of the Apes show we watched. I know. Astronauts crash at a place and it's topsy turvy, And yeah. then they're hunted by a guy. I do figure though, every episode, like uh, the woman he loves gets lobotomized, right? Every episode. <laughs> every episode. I think that's well, I'll tell you one thing. Likely. Every episode, you won't be able to trust her. <laughs> is what do you think it is about like because it's not super dissimilar from like a mirror lake or like a quantum leap or there's definitely a few of these shows that you guys have watched but there's you know examples of winners of the same idea yeah that, like really did penetrate into mainstream i mean i think what it is is i mean one of the things is some coherency i think you're right i think if they could have landed what this world was and the difference like if you could have drawn a clear parallel yeah so you could have those allegories and make them like land you could probably make it work right um but because even when we get the explanation from the professor it doesn't even cohere to the things we've already learned about this world ourselves yeah. so you're kind of just like well it's just such it's such a muddle the idea is probably too muddled is the problem yeah but what are the winning the winners of this sort of genre that clearly the fugitive was the archetype for a lot of these things in, in terms of the actual structure of the show. Yeah. But I think what you, you get is a lot of shows that try to fit other genres like sci-fi into that, into that structure. Um, I mean, I think planet of the apes that we'd watched was a little bit more successful. This, at least the first half, or I can't remember what half they kind of did that um, was a little bit more successful. I think even having maybe a, no offense to this actor, but I don't think he was maybe the leading man they thought he was. I looked at his, his uh, resume and he did a ton of stuff in the 60s and stuff. Like he was a character in a lot of things and he's an actor who worked a lot, but I don't know if he is the leading man that they maybe mm-hmm. want him to Ooh, be. He wasn't the most no charismatic guy. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I think that maybe would have helped a little bit, Um, but but I do think that Luke's right. I think it's just, it's not cohesive enough of an idea that yeah. this is just, it just doesn't quite work. The ideas are there, but... They don't want to lean into it for whatever reason. It's probably budgetary is probably what it is. Yeah, it could be. I mean, I, I do think a little bit of it's just like the script is pretty muddled. Like, I think you could. Like, it's not a low, but like there's huge extra scenes. Like, this seems like they could have done something within the framework they had. But I, I mean, that helicopter chase sequence was a yeah, million dollars was great. at least. Yeah, that, I mean, that's right. They clearly had some they were going for something. But yeah. 
Did you guys ever watch that show Earth Two, where like there's a replica Earth that they use as the jail? I. This? It's like the Australia I, uh, of the future. <laughs> I saw it when I was a kid, but it's been a long, long time. I used to love it as a kid. It, it is one of the examples. If you look up this this theory of the Earth two or duplicate Earth, it is another of the examples uh, of this this theory of that. What if there was another Earth? Yeah, yeah and, well, and I think Earth two is less on the other side. Like I think they travel to a new solar system for it. Oh, is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's a Spielberg TV show. And it's more about cult, like it's more about uh, pilgrims headed to a new world kind of thing, but uh, yeah, it is the idea. It's just like, what if there was another Earth kind of, mm-hmm. and w- we just recreated as as we see. <laughs> all right, before we wrap this up, I don't know if you, either of you did this, but I uh, scrolled through all the YouTube comments just to see. Yeah, no, because there are so many of them. Yeah, I got, I got a few highlights here for you. See, oh, I'm so excited of what people what people thought of the or wanted to say about this show. Um, quote. I heard there really is a twin Earth on the opposite side of the sun. These movies just leave. Uh, these movies just serve to make you think it is science fiction, but it is science reality fact. What do you think? It's science reality fact. It's science reality fact. Hmm. Uh, Sounds like a bot wrote that. Uh, it's modern Obamerica. Huh. Whoa. That's a, that's an extreme one. Um, these TV movies, not like. Uh, <laughs> These were TV movies, not like the garbage that's on TV today. <laughs> uh, one man alone, thinking he was God. Hate to inform them, but he was God. Jesus Christ, God in flesh. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, and here's one last one. And this one's for Doesn't Will. It sounded like he actually hated to inform them. sounded like he was really excited, excited to inform them. them. <laughs> yeah. uh, and this one is, is especially for Will. Uh, total fraud. This has nothing to do with Albert Camus. Camus. <laughs> Camus, that's sorry. Yeah. Uh, I saw that. I'm just like, when we when we emailed this to Will, he's just like, is this based in uh, Camus' book? And I'm like, we'll find out. Yeah. This man it knows. Total <laughs> yeah. fraud. All right. Well, that about wraps it up, I think, for the episode. So you want to guys want to rate it? Yes, please. Do you want to start, Will, or should we go first? What did I give uh, Bedazzled or Baffled? <laughs> <laughs> I think you gave it probably, I would assume, in the six or seven mark. Oh, I don't think so. I think it was like three or four. <laughs> oh, do you think so? Yeah. But it, it doesn't matter. It's, it's how you feel about this, how much you love this, how much you want T-shirts of it, you want to tell people about it. You're going you're gonna to spend uh, your next holiday. Anyone you meet, you're going to go, hey, did you ever see The Stranger? And you go, no, 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 not the Camus novel. <laughs> I think I'm going to give it like a two because wow, but I, I only, I wanted lower than baffled because looking back at my experience <laughs> watching baffled, I had, it was probably way more nonsensical. Even than it was this. a much better time. Yeah. It was a great time. It was so much more fun to make fun of. And I, I, it was, it was far more, it was less of a slog to watch. I I'll go next since I'm clearly giving away my review here. I, liked one thing about this show and it was that helicopter chase where I was sure some poor stuntman was going to die because it was so crazy. Uh, I'm giving it a one for that helicopter chase. Uh, I think I'm much more forgiving for this. I think maybe this, I just, there's something about the cheesiness that I, I kind of just forgive and think it's kind of funny. It's not good by any stretch of the imagination. There's no, you can, you can clearly see why this wasn't picked up as series, but I'm going to give it a five out of 10, (laughs) right down the middle, five out of 10. Jordan, you're very forgiving of these shows. I love it. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> it wasn't good, but turtlenecks. Remember turtlenecks? The that turtlenecks was good. were double-breasted suits. Yep. Lots of scissor work. Yep. I mean, karate chops were great. Karate chops were good. We mentioned the helicopters. A woman had to shave her temples. 
Spy pig? Spygate pig? <laughs> there was a pig, a pig that bear may not be a spy. That's a standalone episode later in the series. <laughs> Still a one. Yeah. Well, I'd also just like to thank you both for having me on again. Oh, no. Thank you for coming back. Yeah, it's, uh, uh, I'm glad we got as much uh, fodder out of the show as we did. I was, I was legitimately concerned we'd all sleep through it at some point. Well, and next time we'll get a cot for you. A what? A cot. You could just lay. Oh, yeah. For, yeah. You want to be inclined the whole time. I was at the Raptors game last night and watched it <laughs> after the game. So that's uh so it was two AM to three AM for you was this show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you guys do you guys post the um link to the podcast on the YouTube channel? Yeah, yeah, of yeah. The, we'll have do? it there. We'll have it on uh, Instagram. We'll have a bunch of clips from the show on Instagram and Twitter at continuum drag. Mm-hmm. Uh other than that, other than Instagram and Twitter, you can uh, email us if you're this guy on <laughs> On YouTube, want to email us in and tell us about uh, uh, Jesus in the flesh? Uh, you can email uh, continuumdragonchannel.com. And uh, that about wraps it up. So, yes, Will, thanks again for coming on. Thank you for having me. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun tearing this thing to shreds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love doing it. It's a five out of ten, though. Five out of ten. Disagree. <laughs> <laughs> Respectfully disagree. Yeah. Jordan, another. High high caliber episode yeah, know, as as always. And uh listener, thanks for joining us. See you next time. Continuum Drag is recorded in Toronto, Ontario. Theme music by James Rex Siedler. Produced by Jordan Delic and Luke Black. Special thanks to Aaron Younes, Adam Wheatner, Jeff Hanley, Jane McRae, and Stephen Packard. <laughs>